Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Phonetics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have me a very special guest, Keith Ricardo. Keith, how are you doing today? Very well, thanks, Mike. How are you? Uh, pretty good. I'm surprised I got that out today. <laughs> my wife's like, you're losing your voice. Uh, this is not my normal voice. I know I'm sure the viewers know I've been yelling at children all week for coaching. So. <laughs> all right. So it's not like a touch of COVID or something. No, <laughs> no. Oh, thank, thank goodness. Yeah, no. I, yeah, she was, she was like, are you okay? I was like, oh my gosh, they like had the music going today. We had two teams in there. I'm like, it just gets so loud. <laughs> you know, I my girls can't hear so i have to like you know talk louder and as soon as the first day of school starts that's why i try to get you this week uh it, you know as soon as the first day of school starts school and sports i lose my voice the first week my voice every year. yeah <laughs> so last year they're like do you have covid i'm like no nah. i'm like i literally just lose it every fall <laughs> like, you know i try to tell the kids you know the voice is like a muscle but they don't believe me <laughs> well keith i'm so glad that you know we could reschedule you know people online obviously know you know i'm having a baby so this is between that and you know, being a teacher has just been nuts. So I'm so happy we could get you on today. I've been wanting to talk to you for quite a while. Like I told you before we started, you know, I had, you know, one of your readers, you know, you know, actually message me on Facebook and say, hey, you need to, you know, you need to interview this author. Um, so I was really happy to, you know, to check out your books online. And I know I grabbed a couple on Kindle. Like I said, I, there's a couple that I like really need in paperback. So I'm really excited to go and get those ordered tomorrow for my birthday. So it'll be a Thanks, nice Daniel. little, uh, I'd be enjoying yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. Um, yeah, but I'm so glad, you know, I, I love people when they give me recommendations for authors, you know, usually I'm fishing myself, you know, and I'm, you know, pulling people in on social media. So anytime that, you know, somebody can message me. So I just want to point out if anybody, you know, who's listening to this or watching the video, if you have an author that, you know, you, you know, think I should be reading, you know, particular or interviewing, you know, just let me know and, you know, I'll, I'll approach them and we'll try and get them on that way. You know, we can get a nice little session going and, you know, see what their writing style and stuff like that's about. So. I mean, I just wanted to say congrats um, on your baby as well. Oh, and thank it, you so it, much. It, it's going to change your life for the better. Yeah. It's awesome. Like the first six weeks are, are challenging, yeah. um, but it's such an amazing journey, man. No, I appreciate it, Keith. I really do. It's funny because my buddy just had his child and, um, he's an author and I was like, Hey, how's it going? He goes, I got like a whole book written. <laughs> his child and his wife just slept the whole time. I said, I don't think I'm that lucky, but yeah, I was, I was laughing. I was like, that's rare. I feel like because nobody else I know could say that within the first six weeks, but yeah, yeah. I'm excited oh, yeah, though. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I got three nephews. So, you know, it, it, I think it'll be really fun. You know, my other nephew, well, they're, they're, my other two nephews are younger, you know, so everybody, you know, other than my older nephew will be within like a year, year and a half of each other. So, you know, I feel like it'd be, you know, pretty cool for them to come here in the summer and, you know, hang out, go to the park, go swimming. We, we live, you know, uh, like where there's a lot of lakes and stuff here in New York. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to do and stuff. So yeah, I feel like it'll, it'll be a good time. I, you know, I'm a teacher, so I've literally worked in public education since I was 19. So you know, this year will be my 15th year, or sorry, 16, 15th, 16th year, yeah, in public education. Um, yeah, so taking care of everybody else's kids. So it'll be interesting to finally, you know, take care of take my care own. Of your own. So, yeah. yeah. So I feel like yeah. I've enjoyed it a lot with everybody else's. So I feel like I'll, you know, enjoy yeah, it that much more. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I really appreciate that, Keith. Uh, we'll start right in with that first question there, which I'm really interested in. What has your writing journey been like up until this point? Uh, up until this point, 
It's been pretty consistent. <laughs> right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've usually tried to write something um, each of my days off. So mm. I, I work four on, four off. And my mm. four days off, I'll usually try and get 500 words to 1,000 words out um, each day. Like some days I don't feel like it, but um, you just sometimes you just have to push yourself, I guess. Um, up until recently, anyway, my partner gave birth um, December last year to our baby. Oh, congrats! Yeah, that's awesome. And my writing has taken a bit of a backseat, yeah, because of that, and rightly so. Um, yeah. I've been on long service leave. Mm. Deb's gone back to work, um, so I've been on long service leave for the last three weeks, three months, looking after um, our lad. And it's been absolutely fantastic. And it's not lost on me that um, this time is like really important. And it's a time that I'll never get back yeah, when yeah, he gets yeah. older. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I don't regret it at all. It's been absolutely fantastic. I, I love being being with him. It's good. Uh, but later in the year, I'll, I'll crack back on with it, um, mm. get back into the writing again. Yeah. I feel like that's fair, you know, because it's, you know, yeah, like, you know, especially when they go you know, like start hanging out with friends and stuff more, you know, it's like, you'll have plenty of time to, you know, to write then, you know, I, that's what I was trying to tell my brother with my nephews. I was like, don't worry about X, Y, and Z. You know, he's always worried about, you know, advancing at work and, you know, and stuff like that. You know, when, you know, he was younger and I'm like, no, I was like, you can do that later. You know, it's like, it's important, but I was like, you know, I feel like, you know, enjoying these moments is, you know, yeah, more it's important, so, so. so it's so important, man. Yeah. Because like, it's man. just, it's just, he and I um, for those mm. three months during the day. Oh, anyway. that's cool. That's and cool. Yes, yeah, so when he starts daycare and stuff, it's mm. you know that those days are gone. So yeah, I need yeah. to enjoy it now. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I definitely understand that. That's why I was like, yeah, yep, I'm jealous. <laughs> I always tell my wife, I was like, I want to. I'm hoping, obviously, you know, when I get stuff out there, that everybody just likes it, and I can just be Brandon Sanderson and stay home. You know, and I always tease her. I was like, I tease her all the time. I'm like, I want to be a stay-at-home dad and just write, be full-time author, and just, you know, take the kids to the park, come back, you know, have somebody watch them for a couple hours, bust out 5,000 words, and then, you know, go do whatever when she gets out of work. I just, you know, I think that, that that's just, like, the life I want. I love teaching. Like, don't get me wrong, but, like, our baby's not even out yet, and I can just tell, you know, like, <laughs> priorities have changed, you know. I'm just like, and I can only imagine, you know, when, you know, he's actually here, so I... Very jealous of you for that. That sounds amazing. So, oh, it's yeah, it's been a awesome. Man. I've been trying to get my wife to work next summer so that I can take time off with the baby, but I don't think it's going to work that way. I think I'll be the one that you know is uh, is going off after uh, once you know the six months is done, and then we'll have summer school start up. So, one of my students actually at summer school, I was teasing him about it. He goes, "Yeah, we'll see you next summer, buddy." <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh, not. yeah, exactly. I was like. It's like probably true, you know, but yeah, it's really funny. Well, that's awesome. That sounds uh, like you got a good plan there. I think it's always great when, personally, when people take a break, you know, especially for, you know, important moments, because I think if you don't, like, you know, you're really missing out on you, the things you miss that those make, moments. Yeah. And, and I think only, it, not only do you miss out on those moments, you, you never get them back. So. Yeah. 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 I totally, yeah. I totally agree there. I think you're on the, the right track with that, my friend, for sure. Uh, so what genres do you currently write in and how did you choose these? Okay, so I write in a few different genres. Um, yep. I write mainly in contemporary thriller or military action. Um, I've got a couple of books out. I've got a trilogy, which is about the Ind Indonesian invasion of Australia, which is oh, military okay. action. 
Um, and there's a thriller as well, which is um, Tour de Midgard, which is about an Australian uh, special air service patrol in Iraq, mm. um, beginning of the Iraq, the second Iraq war, second Gulf war. Uh, and they accidentally trigger a time portal and end up in 10th century Viking Denmark. And oh. they learn to fight with swords and shields and they run out of ammunition. Um, and they're just trying to find their way back home again, back to their families. Uh, and that's the, yeah, it's the military thriller in action as well. Uh, and then I tried my hand at uh, fantasy as well, uh, which I really actually enjoyed. I, I do prefer the contemporary thriller writing, mm. but the fantasy was pretty cool just to try my hand at it. And I did enjoy that. Um, and I guess I choose stories set in worlds that I, I'd like to read about uh, in, in a way that I'd like to read. Um, and there's nothing really fancy or mystical about how I choose them. It's I just sit down and think about it and go, oh, that'd be cool. I'll give that a crack. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Well, I feel like you always have to, you know, write what you love to read, you know, and that's why I feel like lately it's been hard for me for my fantasy novel because it's like I've been reading more urban fantasy, you know, and I feel like I kind of got burnt out on, you know, just five for like 17 years straight. And then, oh, wow, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was just, I read so many. It's nice to have a change sometimes. Hey? Yeah. It's like a, just refreshing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not against that genre at all. But, no, yeah. no, no, no. Well, I also I'm trying to bring up a really good point too. I think it's also interesting to, to write in multiple genres too, you know, particularly for indie, you know, and I, you know, yeah. they always say, the same you know, reason too. Yeah. 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 I feel like we never talk about that on here, but yeah, I think, you know, I just did so much writing. It took me 14 years to finish this one book in my own fantasy world. And, you know, and then I was like trying to fix draft two. Well, it just wasn't ready yet. So I felt like, you know, things needed to marinate and I was like, tried to, you know, try it again. And, I was like, yeah, I just can't, you know, I was like, for whatever reason. So when I started to do the historical urban fantasy with the Romans versus zombies, I was like, oh, this is so that, much fun. I can't wait for that, man. That's yeah. So good. <laughs> my buddy, he's like, you have to finish these other ones before going. And I was like, no, I get it, you know. No, no, um, you need to finish the zombie and Romans, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and Jeffrey Castle said the same thing. He was like, stop <laughs> doing urban fantasy and just do that instead. Um, oh, man, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be. Like, and like, it's so, it's so interesting because there were so many things, well, there's so many things with my novellas that came out where, you know, that was another thing, you know, as I then was like, oh, like I was doing fantasy and then I was like, oh, all of a sudden all the world building, I was like driving, I had a really long drive with my wife and, you know, she's pregnant, so she was sleeping and, um, but we weren't, you know, stopping and stuff for food or whatever. And, uh, she was just sleeping for like eight hours, which was fine, but like I was driving and all of a sudden, all the, you know, the things started to click and I don't know why all of a sudden, you know, I was listening. Oh, I think it was because I was listening to Patricia Briggs um, with Mercy Thompson uh, series. And all of a sudden she said something and something just clicked. And all of a sudden all the world building just came into focus. And I was like, okay, I have to stop everything I'm doing and fix this one story and then go from there. And then it just got, it just kept going. And now I just have like some of the craziest ideas i've ever had um for urban oh, fantasy cool, but man. yeah but it was cool because what's so i i guess i'll leave the you know the cat out of the bag a little bit but so in my historical urban fantasy um speaking of like time travel and stuff like um the the roman the main roman centurion i have 
is going to be the ancestor of my recon marine who oh, becomes wow. a monster. Yeah, so he's a monster hunter in ancient times, but like him and his crew will be. And then that guy. So I'm actually combining them there and not saying yeah. at one point, maybe they don't meet because of something, but yeah. So I like things that are connected like, like that. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So David Gemmell did that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All, all, of, his why. Are, yep. all of his books are connected yeah. in, in some way. Yep. Yeah. Well, Sean Crow and I talk about that a lot. Um, he's going to kill me if he sees this because I put down a couple of David Gemmell books because I wanted to just take time instead of hopping all over. I want to just read, you know, the several that I had. So I'm saving those for this fall. Those are going to be my like guilty. I'm jealous, books. mate. I'm jealous <laughs> that you have David Gemmell books that you haven't read oh, before. Oh, yeah, you'll yeah. love it. And, we, we thought uh, I had David Gemmell books left yeah. to read, but I've never read. That's, yeah. Yeah, I have, I think, seven ready to go. Um, and I've been waiting for an author to get me interested again, you know, in something so much. Because, like, Mercy Thompson, I went through Patricia Briggs within, you know, like, six months. Um, I think, or sorry, six weeks, like, everything. And then I had to wait six months for the next book to come out. <laughs> and then my friend was like, oh, she has Alpha and Omega. But, yeah, I just, I like how she does the same thing where, you know, like, the, the two series are connected. So, yeah. Yeah, but Sean Crow and I talked about that a lot, and Mark Timoney, too. Um, yeah, I know Sean's yeah, a talked about David Gemmell. Yeah, well, yeah, I've got yeah, to read yeah. some of his books, actually, because um, they actually sound quite Gemmell-esque. Yeah. That'd be cool. So. Yep, yep. His Godless Lands book, too, just came yeah. out. Um, yeah. I grabbed that one recently. I just absolutely fell in love with the the cover, like the character, the, you know, the mood. But yeah, I, he was like, you're, he goes, you love everything about all these different people. He's like, that's David Gemmell in a nutshell. Um, but I didn't want to do him cheap, you know, and I felt like lately I've been so busy. I just, I don't want to like start and then have to stop. Like I want to just be, you know, so I know as soon as I'm done with my current, you know, mini job going into like, it's like mid October, we get done. And that's like always my cozy time to read where I'm just relaxing and kind of coasting before the baby comes. So I was like, I'm just going to fly through David Gemmell. But take, yeah. take the time to relax, right? Yeah, exactly. First, first six weeks, I just feel like I'm going to need it. So, <laughs> yep. Well, I, I just, I loved a lot of the, you know, the the covers in particular um, where I was like, oh, this is just gorgeous, you know? And then I picked them up all the time and, I was like, you know, I've never read this guy. And then I think I picked him up right before Sean and I had our first interview last August. Um, he was like, what am I, I think it was like my seventh or eighth interview. Uh, so it was pretty cool that he, like I picked him up like literally like the week before. Um, and then like, he had a lot of good things to say. So I actually started Legend um, a while back, but I knew I had to put it down because I knew I was just going to fly through him. And it was again, like, you know the story time. behind Legend? You know the uh, story, how he wrote it, why he wrote it? I do, I do not, actually. I would love to hear it. So David Gemmell was in hospital um, with cancer, and oh, he, he survived. He survived, but at the time, he was quite sick, and he just felt like um, the cancer was assaulting his body, and his body was mm. the fortress. So oh, interesting. the nadir, that, that's how I, how I pronounce it, um, when they're assaulting Dross Delnock, the nadir is the other cancer and Dross Delnock is his body. Oh, that's and, interesting. And that, that's where he came up with the idea, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, I like stuff like that. <laughs> that's, yeah, like, yeah, really cool, yeah. like, behind the scenes. Well, that's, like, a... Such a good, such oh, a good that's writer. That's, yeah. like, a, you know, like, the movie The Princess Bride where, the, you know, the actor 
who plays uh, Miguel Montoya, where he's like, you know, his father was died, like died of cancer, and they're like, it's like, how should I, you know, approach the, you know, the six figure man or whatever? And uh, you know, he just decided to treat him like, you know, the cancer that you know took his father. And that's one of my favorite scenes of any movie, and I feel like it was just so real. So mm-hmm. you can only imagine, you know, how he he wrote that, but. No, that's really cool. I'm really glad that I actually saved that for you to tell me that because now I feel like I'll, you know, get a much better reading and writing experience out of that. But yeah, that's, that's super yeah, it'll, cool. It'll be missed. I, it was my favorite author as well. Yeah. So yeah. many people, Anthony Ryan says that a lot. So yeah. So I, I you know, I said to my buddy, he, he said the other day, he goes, I'm so jealous of you. He's like, because you're going to get a new favorite author. And I haven't had one like really get me since Patricia Briggs. And before yeah. that, it was like um, Kevin Hearn with Iron Druid Chronicles. You know, um, Kelly McCullough is another one, the Fallen Blade series. I absolutely fell in love with his character uh, and his world. But There's, yeah. there's one book of Gamble, so I have never read. Um, and mm-hmm. it was written under a pseudonym called Ross Harding. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's a book called Black Knight, White Swan, or White Swan, Black Knight, or something like that. Um, and I deliberately haven't read it because I want to read it, but I don't want to read it because oh, it's, the last, it's the last book I'll ever read of David Gamble. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's weird, but yeah. Yeah. No, I totally understand that. There are, um, there are three different authors um, that I have like that where I'm like, oh, like I, yeah, if I, if I, it's like Castle, the TV show I, I love with Nathan Fillion. I got to the last episode. My buddy was just teasing me about it today. I got 35 minutes left out of a, you know, 50 minute episode. I'm like, well, once I watch it, it's done, you know, and the show in particular really helped inspire me to write and really want, like really made me want to be an author again at a time where I was so disenfranchised by the writing process. So, you know, to, to be done with what now, you know, it's going to be my second book to, to be done with a series that a TV series that got me into wanting to do all this again like it just seems like i just need to leave it unfinished you know and i I don't think i'm prepared for for my life to be done you know with that part yet you know and yeah so i I definitely understand that yeah 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 it's really hard too when you love a you know like r.a salvatore is one of those people for me and like elaine cunningham ed greenwood you know i saved a lot of their books for a long time to stockpile so I can avoid that. Um, yeah, there are several Robert E. Howard books that I have not finished and I probably never will. I'll probably do the same thing, you know, whittle down the same one. Yeah, I just, yeah. he inspired me to write so much in college. I mean, so did Gemmel and Stan yep. Nichols, like yep. both of those guys. And Stan's still alive. Just cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah uh, I will read that book eventually, but yeah, just just not yet. <laughs> yeah, oh man, I'm getting all emotional like thinking about it now. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know when you have something that you know I I agree with you. You have something that's inspired you that much, you know, and that you love that much. It's hard for that. You know, it's hard for you to close that final chapter. I feel like mm, you know. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I definitely understand that. I actually just found a few minutes ago. I did find the book of yours that my friend had sent me. So um, he, he actually rapid fired them. So he sent me all three fallen empire. I'm uh, sorry. Ironstone saga books. Um, he was like, Hey, these are your, like, these are your style books. <laughs> and he's like, you need to 
read them and you need to interview this author. So I, uh, thank you to getting those. <laughs> yeah. I'll be getting those tomorrow. Um, cause I just, first of all, I just love the concept and I absolutely love the covers. Um, and I trust, you know, my friend's recommendations. So, um, that, that any of them that know done. me, so. Those covers were done by a lady called Penn Astrid. She was an Australian cover designer, and oh, she's nice. phenomenally skilled. Yeah, she's very good. Oh, my gosh. Just amazing. Yeah, so I was like, he, he goes, trust me. He's like, you, he knows me. He's like, you're going to want these in paperback. <laughs> so he's like, just a physical <laughs> copy, Dan. He's like, just just do it. So, yeah, so I'm really excited to go down and, and do that tomorrow. Oh, but, thank yeah, you, And speaking of, uh, you know, your Ironstone saga, so – uh, for our audience, what are your Ironstone Saga books about and what are the Unforeseen series books about? Uh, okay, the Ironstone Saga is about the main character is called Vida Ironstone um, and he's an assassin who's sent on an important mission um, by his king into a neighbouring kingdom. So cool. But inside the first chapter, he's killed. Mm. <laughs> uh, and his good friend, Miriam, uh, basically tries to save him and she first takes him to uh, a medical doctor who attempts to save Vida, but he fails. Um, and Vida's basically on the edge of death. Um, she takes him to a witch. Before she gets to the witch, he, he actually, yeah, he dies. Um, and what the witch does is she uses her power to imbue a nature spirit um, called Gorgoroth. And Gorgoroth is imbued into Vida's corpse. And in doing so, Gorgoroth drags Vida's spirit back in with him. So they both inhabit Vida's body. So now he's a man with two spirits living in him, human and a non-human spirit. Um, and being incarnate gives Gorgoroth an incredible amount of power, much more power than he had just as a spirit. Mm. Um, and Gorgoroth has no love of humans um, because humans have done so much damage to his world. Um, he's a nature spirit. And in fact, one of his main missions is to kill us all. He wants to rid the earth of all humans. Mm. Um, so the witch has saved Vida, but she's unwittingly set in place um, a chain of events that drags the empire into war and a struggle for an absolute struggle for survival. So I thought that would be a cool story to follow. So I wrote that series on based on that core concept. I won't go into more detail because I don't want to spoil it. Um, but yeah, that's that's the Einstein saga. Um, the Unforeseen series is a contemporary military thriller, and it's about the Indonesian invasion of Australia. Um, the Australian Defence Force is eventually defeated as a cohesive fighting unit um, and we follow the story of a, a small group of Australian civilians who are fighting for survival um, and they're fighting against insurmountable odds. Um, and I suppose I wanted to choose Indonesia. Indonesia as it stands today don't have the capacity to invade Australia and if they tried, uh, I'm quite confident the Australian Defence Force would defeat them. Um, the actual threat at the moment to Australia is China. Um, and what makes it way more complex is uh, China is also one of our greatest trade, one of our biggest trade allies. So it makes the situation really complicated. I didn't want to get into that. I just wanted to um, have a basic threat, which is Indonesia. We do a little bit of trade with Indonesia, but we do a massive amount of trade with China. Mm. Um, an interesting thing with what China is doing at the moment is our greatest military ally is United States of America and they're northeast of us and Australia is here and China 
is moving south through the South China Sea, and they've taken over quite a few little island groups there. And they're also pushing into the Pacific, just northeast of Australia, in the middle between Australia and the United States. Um, they're not using any military power at all. They're using economic might. And what they do is they use um, a thing called debt trap diplomacy. So they'll walk into Vanuatu, which they have done, and they said, we'd like to um, boost your tourism. We're going to walk in here. We're going to build you a massive port so it can service any of the largest um, cruise liners in the world to come and see your beautiful island. What do you think? And Vanuatu says, yeah, absolutely, man. So they build they build the port. Uh, then they say Vanuatu, Vanuatu, okay, just, you just need to pay us back in this amount of time. And they hoik up the percentage so high that Vanuatu can't make the repayment. Um, so China then says, oh, we notice you're having problems repaying the loan. Um, what we'll do is we'll waive the loan. You don't need to pay that anymore, but we're going to lease with no more to pay for us. We're going to lease the port off you for 99 years. And Vanuatu says, well, they're over a barrel. They have no choice. They have to give in. So now we have a port on the um, doorstep of Australia that is large enough to service any of the biggest cruise liners in the world because it's quite deep water where they've put the port. Hmm. But conversely, it's also big enough to service a Chinese carrier strike group. Um, and then they have two hmm. aircraft carriers at the moment, a, an old one and a quite a new one, a brand new one. Um, and they've done that in the Solomon, Island, Solomon Islands and they're doing that in a few other island groups off the coast of Australia as well. Um, so they're basically doing what the Japanese did in World War II. Yeah, yeah. Japanese did it militarily, but the Chinese are doing it economically. And they're so smart the way they go about it. They, uh, they're playing straight out of Sun Tzu's The Art of War, and they're doing it um, underneath our, our noses. And people are saying, well, the Australian government, obviously they don't know what's going on. They do know what's going on, and they're trying to um, mitigate that risk. But at the same time, they don't want to lose their biggest trade ally as well. So yeah. it's a really complex situation. Um, I don't know if they'll ever have a crack at Australia militarily. They certainly won't in my lifetime, and they probably won't in my son's lifetime. But I think at some point in the future, they they may, yeah, they may have a go. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's the thing that we talk about a lot, you know, in terms of U.S. history with you know World War Two. You know, just in general, is that you know these even World War One, you know, is like you know these German generals, let's just say in particular, had these plans not for you know even in their own lifetime. You know, they were really planning for you know like that for several. You know, and I think that you know a lot of people you know really don't understand that when it comes to you know world history in general is that you know these people plan for the long game, you know, of their country, not the short game. It's not that they necessarily yeah. need to see fruition there just you know trying to add to you know to that legacy if you want to call it that yeah it's uh right. we're dealing with that right now you know with you know so many people i know here in the united states who you know not to get crazy political but you know it's just it is it's just truth you know some people don't like it i teach history so i, I speak truth but um you know when you know ukraine gets invaded you know i told my students, like, why is everybody so alarmed? I said, well, you know, Putin literally looks right at the camera and says, you know, hey, if any of you try to stop us, you'll see more death and destruction than ever before. I said, who do you think he was looking at? You know, and it was particularly some of our kids whose parents think, you know, our president should do more. And I'm like, well, what do you want him to do? You know, 
because that that's a direct threat that means World War Three. And he's not looking at he's not looking at Canada. You know, he's looking at Biden and the United yeah. States there. You know, and you know, and and Going NATO. The so, Cold War days, hey? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's literally. I was like, holy moly! And there were so many things that popped up where I was just like. It was, you know, it's crazy. And they were like, why are you guys so alarmed as history teachers? I'm like, because history is literally repeating itself. And, and, and Putin yeah. is, um, he's irrational enough to push the button too. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, he, he really is. He worries me when he, you know, in a few more years in particular, you know, when he just, you know, starts going. I, I, I don't know if it's true, but my uncle, you know, had, so my, my uncle had, t- you know, worked in the military, um, worked for the U.S. government, did like housing and things. And it's just interesting to hear some of the stories that he had heard, you know, in terms of, you know, different Russians and things um, where, you know, like someone like Putin would take certain things, let's say, to... Um, help them out, you know, in terms of certain missions and things. And I always wonder if some of those things that he took, you know, really start to affect your mind in particular and make you more irrational, you know, particularly in the time period, you know, in which, you know, the cold war was, you know, with some drugs and things where, you know, we thought like maybe they were okay or, you know, like, or aspirin or something like that. And it turns out that they, you know, so I actually had watched a talk recently where a psychologist was talking about that. So it was kind of interesting to see because he was comparing Putin with some of these other KGB agents and, you know, some of these spies and, you know, just different people, you know, like that, um, Mm. you know, in different parts of the world at different times and, you know, saw some different psychological effects from some of the drugs or, you know, things they were taking, you know, that they thought were okay. But yeah, Yeah. pretty interesting, um, pretty interesting talk. So, yeah, it, was, it really made me think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had yeah. some feedback after uh, I wrote the Unforeseen series and people mm. would say, why did Indonesia invade? There's no reason for them to invade. Why? And I suppose Putin has proven that you don't need a, a legitimate reason to invade. You can yeah. just do it. If you have the capacity, you can just do it if you want. Yeah. End of story. And he did it. And he's causing a lot of, uh, a lot of grief, a lot of problems. Yeah, well, it's crazy here, you know, where, you know, people complain about gas and stuff. And I, you know, I don't like paying more, but at the same time, I'm like, it's better than having to go overseas and fight in World War Three. Like, that's like my viewpoint on it, you know, and I, I'm a pacifist. So, but it's also really hard to, you know, to sit back and a lot of us here just feel like it's hard to sit and watch. Are you a pacifist or are you a peace lover? Because they're two different things. I guess maybe a peace lover is a better one because if push comes to shove, you know, I, I definitely will, you know, I will fight. You know, if there's somebody on the side of the road, yeah, if there's somebody on the, I mean, you know, my friends always tease me. I have, you know, multiple black belts. I, you know, taught martial arts for, you know, I don't know, like two decades now almost. And, you know, they're, yeah, they're like, well, you know, I'm ranked in seven different martial arts now, you know, I just love studying, but, I know it's really not about that because it's like anybody can get a lucky shot off. But um, yeah, they're like, well, you would definitely step in if, you know, someone had this issue or something. You see a little grandma on the yeah. side row getting beat up. They're like, so that's not a pacifist. I'm like, okay, so maybe no. that's a better way to, to so put it. So a peace lover is someone you don't look for a fight. You don't want yeah, to yeah, yeah, fight. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to fight at all. But yep. if you have to, you will. Yeah. 
Well, it's, it's, it's hard because, you know, people that haven't been in a fight, you're trying to explain to them, you know, and I try to talk about that in books too, you know, and try to make it more realistic because, you know, even if you win, you lose because you might break your hand or, you know, or, or there might be legal trouble or, or something, you know, and I try to explain to people here, I'm like, you know, I'm like, it's much better to pay a little bit more in gas than, you know, and try to solve it in a different way. Because again, like you said, you know, certain people aren't rational, um, no, I, you know, and once that, well, yeah. And I think once you really look at World War One and World War Two, I think people forget that whole nationalism thing, you know, really led to a lot with alliances and we're in the same boat even more than before. Cause now we have so many more nuclear weapons, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting climate. So I could definitely see, yeah, where, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting uh, feedback for you because yeah. I feel like a lot of people were saying that, you know, for the last 17 years, you know, with Russia in particular and, you know, in China, because I remember being back in high school and stuff, you know, and we were discussing this very probable thing that you just talked about with China, you know, and it's, it's very interesting that a lot of these things that, you know, some of my professors in particular, you know, mentioned at the university, where you know they're like hey just wait and you know it's it's kind of crazy you know to have something off so off the wall you know from you know almost 15 years ago someone said that you thought was physically impossible and then you know here you go and i have multiple professors call these things it's like it's really crazy if you you know can actually take and that's why i try to explain our kids or it's so you know that's why i love writing about history or using it in books because i think it gets people more interested in actually yeah, studying it, you know and yeah. yeah. So that's cool that you did that with Indonesia and, you know, kind of, kind of chose that. I think that that would be a interesting analysis, you know, to kind of compare that, you know, with an invasion from China. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, thanks, interesting. Writing exercise. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Yeah. It was good, man. It was, uh, it would be easier too, because Indonesia is a bit way smaller than China. Yeah, yeah. So it would be a bit more of a protracted fight. Um, whereas yeah. China, like, this is going to sound a bit arrogant, but the Australian Defence Force is one of the finest fighting forces in the world. But we are tiny. We're infinitesimal. Uh, China would just walk all over us. They just walk straight straight on. We might give them a bloody nose, but um, the book would, would last like half of the first book, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, my friend said like that was like, like your other series, like other books that like he really liked. He said, you know, he's really, him and I really, you know, enjoy the, you know, the military thrillers. It's been a while for me, um, you know, a couple of years, I think I really got into some of the, you know, I guess more than some of the Tom Clancy's and just like different indie authors. Uh, there was, uh, oh my gosh, I'm totally going blank. Um, there was one guy I met down in Phoenix. I thought it was Zero Dark Thirty. I thought was. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, no. yeah, yeah. yeah that, was a, that was a good one. Yeah. yeah, I always liked the. Yeah, I I grew up on military fiction, you know, and things like that. So I, anything like that, you know, like the thrillers, I got really into. I really enjoyed the Jack Reacher books. I got into those. Yeah. Uh, during the oh, winter, I'm so glad they redid the those shows. Oh, I never watched. I never oh, watched so one with Tom Cruise because he's four foot two and he jumped oh, on the couch. I don't yeah. want to watch that. Yeah. Um, but the the new Jack oh, Reacher, so good. Jack here, Man Mountain, like it's yeah. the way he's supposed to be, you know. Yeah. And I felt like he got the. So I read, I've gotten half the Killing Floor down, and then but I had watched the show like back to back to back, like weeks, and then I like read half the Killing Floor, but I actually got to the Enemy, and I feel like the Enemy wasn't even that like action packed, but like 
just the just the way he wrote it i'm like who who did the thing you know like who who killed these people i mean i was like so stunned and the way that he figured it out i just i got such a you know i used to love thrillers um and mysteries and i always like i always study them because i want to do that in a sci-fi or you know fantasy setting I, i've always I've, I've seen people do that for forgotten realms and stuff and it always just gets me so jazzed because I'm like, this is so cool, you know, to, you know, combine these two different genres into, you know, fantasy or sci-fi um, and thrillers, you know, are the same thing. I always just think it's so cool when when you can do that. I'm thinking like I would love to do like a Jack Reacher in space, you know, like I'm just like not, you know, like I. I'm not like I'm better at certain things, you know? So like, I feel like later on down the road, I'm like, I, my friend, he's like, you're so crazy about mysteries and stories. I'm like, and horror too. I'm like, it's just so cool. And somebody can, like I had, um, Oh, um, Richard Baker on, and he has some of the Marvel books where he's got Hamdell and he's such a amazing author when it comes to combining, you know, combining fantasy and horror. And I told him, I was like, I absolutely love these books, you know, and um, I read the first one in, I don't know, I think it was in eighth grade of his, and it was just so cool, and he took, like, this undead army, and, I mean, it, it didn't feel like fantasy, it felt like horror, but, you know, with within the fantasy setting that I like, which was Forgotten Realms, so when he had these Heimdall books through Marvel, I, like, read the first one, and it was so good, and I mean, you know, I, I definitely felt like there were really big odds and, you know, the character had to overcome them. And how, how do you make Hamdala God, you know, where you, you feel like, oh, no, like there's something going to happen to him. And it was just such a great job of combining different genres. So I always just love thrillers so personally. It was so. Norse, so like Norse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, he didn't take the Hamdala because they don't have the rights. Like a Akinai book doesn't have the rights for disney's marvel just the original comic uh, so he like couldn't that. he was like oh i really wanted to do like Iris elba Hamdel, who's my favorite he's like but i couldn't because of the rights so he had to do like the, the, the comics but it was still really good in my head it's, i just pictured like like Iris elba but yeah it was really yeah. really cool sweet man they say yeah. he's he's the guardian of bifrost isn't he the rainbow bridge yep 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 yeah, and this is all about like how he gets to be the guardian by Frost. But yeah, oh, was, right, cool. Okay. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It was really good. The first one's called like the the head of Mirnir. Um, I bought that one recently. I thought I like couldn't find it for a while because of the pandemic. And they're just the covers are so cool. I just I wanted them and I've always wanted to meet him and you know, he was talking to me about like what he's gonna be doing, book signings and stuff. So at some point I'm gonna oh. you know, I really wanna get him signed with my Forgotten Realms. But oh, yeah, hell was, yeah, man. It was just I so love cool. Mythology, yeah, Norse yeah. Mythology, Norse history. Yep. I did um, a DNA test uh, last year, year before. That's cool. And two percent Norwegian. Oh, <laughs> that means I'm cool. a Viking. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I have zero. So. <laughs> My friends always teasing me though. He's like, "Yeah, he's like, you're because you're uh, like forty eight percent Irish, and then you know, like most of mine was Irish." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, maybe that's why you like martial arts so much. It's just like in your, you know, fighting's in your blood or something like that. But yeah, yeah. Scots Irish was most, and a little bit of Welsh. Oh, that's um, cool. Mostly Celt, but a little bit of Viking. Oh, bit of Viking. that's really cool. <laughs> that's an awesome picture right there. Well, yeah. So I have my. So I'm so glad that my friend, you know, sent me, um, you know, your books, particularly Ironstone Saga. So 
Um, I was so surprised though, to see that, you know, you, you wrote both things that I liked so much. So I thought that that was super cool, but yeah, definitely the Ironstone saga uh, is definitely up my alley. So I'll be really excited to get those. So. Yeah. Cool, man. Really I hope cool. you enjoy it. Oh, I'm sure I will. <laughs> He's, he has not steered me wrong yet. So it's been awesome. Um, so we'll go with that fourth one there. What has been the single hardest thing for you when it comes to getting your books written and then ready to sell? Um, I would say for me, it's self-discipline. Um, that's a good one. And the will to sit down and write, even when I don't feel like it. Some, some days I'm just tired, exhausted. <laughs> I just, or I just don't feel like it. Um, and those days can be a real bloody grind. Hey, and you don't feel like writing, but you kind of have to. Um, so you sit down and once you, once I start, I, I get into the swing of things. I'm mm-hmm. fine, but it's just that initial pushing myself to sit down and start. Um, start writing for that day yeah um because i think if i sat down and i wrote just only when i felt like when i felt the inspiration or i felt like writing i'd never freaking finish a book so yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's um that's been the, the single hardest thing for me yeah yeah i always worry about that too you know just in general because i feel like it's hard enough without having a baby <laughs> like you know like <laughs> Man, I think you'll just, you work your life around, hey. It's, you work your life around. I just told my buddy, I was like, I, so I've been practicing, you know, like the, uh, another author friend of mine, she had a baby recently, um, cute little girl. And we, um, you know, we're talking about it. And I said, oh, I'm so worried. It's before our interview. And I was like, I'm so worried about, you know, not being disciplined. She goes, Dan, she goes, you just get disciplined now. And I was like, okay. She goes, yeah, like practice. She goes, I do. So she actually has really helped me because, I, I followed her advice. I've been doing the writing sprints again, but just for 15 minutes. She's like, oh, my kid would nap for 15 minutes. She goes, and then, you know, I would go do something. Writing sprint, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, I've right? She's, yeah, so yeah. she's like, oh, you just do it for 15 minutes. She goes, if your kid takes an hour nap, she goes, you could get four writing sprints done. She goes, even if you only get two. She's like, how fast do you write? So I said, well, you know, I told her, and I'm like, well, if I write and sit down for an hour, I was like, I usually get like 2,000 words. She's like, well, you know, you know, a lot of traditional authors like that's, you know, what they might get in a day to like 5,000, you know? So she's like, you know, doing that with in four sections, four 15 minute sections isn't bad. You know, she's like, even if you only get, you know, like 500, um, you know, she's like, that's still a book a year, you know, like at least if not two. And I was like, okay, that's a good point. So I have to say, instead of keeping track of word count, I've been doing that and I have blown through, like I guarantee you, I have blown through my goal and cap for this first novella because I just was worried about the time and just to keep writing. And then, you know, when I get three, I'm like, well, I might as well, when I, you know, have time throughout the day, I might as well get a fourth one down and then I'll get that fourth one down. Well, then I'll be in a flow. So, mm. you know, she says, when she, I'm going to get that. Yeah. Time, man. So she says when idea. she picks the baby up, right. She'll, you know, do whatever she breastfed or whatever. And then, you know, baby get conked back out. Well, you know, she'd have like 30 minutes, you know, she's, you know, on parental leave. So she'd be like, boom, 15 minutes there. She said by the time she got done, you know, she just was so used to that, that, you know, she got her first book done. I think she said she got like 46,000 words done within, you know, like a month and a half. And I'm like, well, that's a lot faster. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, with a baby. Yeah. (laughs) But she's like all in 15 minute intervals. And then times where, you know, the baby was really struggling, you know, or, you know, something like that, she would just do five minute intervals, 10 minute intervals. 
you know, but she just got so used to stacking them in her free time, which was only a few minutes here and there sometimes that, you know, by the end of the day, she got an hour and I'm like, it blew my mind, you know, and I'm like, there's no way that works that efficiently. So I've been practicing now and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like it, I didn't never thought they would work that well for me doing them by myself because I used to do them with um, online friends a lot. Um, because there was a guy actually, it's funny because he was my writing sprint partner. He actually lived in Sydney. So when I would get out of work at like nine to 10, him, he would, you know, just be getting done with his job, um, midday. So then we would write together and, you know, we'd do a few hour, hour and a half. It was really helpful, but I was really worried when he switched shifts. Cause I was like, well, now I have to, you know, do writing sprints by myself. So that's when, um, Jed Hearn on Twitter had suggested to me to do like word count. So I switched to word count. Well, then I got burnt out from that. So yeah, I'm really glad that she suggested doing writing sprints again. I, I have to say, I have focused on word count and it's interesting you talk about burnout because you're so focused on hitting that word count that yep. maybe the story takes a, a hit as a result of that. Um, yeah. Cause you stop your flow. Whereas yeah, now like, yeah, yeah. and I keep going and then, what happens is, and I'm hoping this continues to happen when our baby's born, where it's like, it nags at me, you know, mm. where I'll get 15 minutes done and I'll be somewhere where it's like, I know exactly where I'm going, but I ran out of time. So instead of writing out of words, I ran out of time. Well, running out of time makes me want to add more time. So then I write again as soon as I have more time. And yeah, that's a, that's I, a much better way of looking at it. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, I think... My friend made a good point the other day. He was like, you just got to mix it up a little bit more, you know? And I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm really glad that I'm really glad that I have learned over the years to not, my mom was just talking about this with myself because I feel like, uh, you know, she's like, you're just one of those people where you're just like, you just don't waste time. You know, like if someone has a better way, you're just like, I'm just going to do that. And I'm like, it's just so much easier to listen to people, you know? So yeah. I'm really glad that people have suggested things, but also I think if I wasn't on the podcast, you know, people wouldn't feel comfortable to suggest things. So yeah, I'm really glad that both of them had suggested things at different times because it's worked for me alternate parts of the year, school year in particular, you know, because you get really burnt out by the end and I still have to write. Bet, so, yeah. you know, and yeah, so I'm so glad that she said that because I've definitely gotten, you know, I've gotten basically this whole novella done. Um, and then I'll be on the second one here uh, within the next couple of days. But and you'll be on to the Romans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want to read it, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, my buddy is like, he's like so excited. He was like, oh my gosh, because yeah. I I told cool him a lot more, and you know, and he's like, oh, that's really neat. That's really neat. So yeah, I'm hoping. Uh, yeah, I got I had some interesting interesting ideas pop up for it. So I think it'll be I think it'll be really fun. But yeah, if if nobody yeah. wants it. Nobody wants it, you know, in terms of querying. I'm just going to self-publish it and I'll just sell more copies than them anyway. And they'll be like, I'm dreading it. Yeah. I definitely agree with you though, Keith. Self-discipline is like, it's just, I think so many people in the audience can relate to that, you know, because you think after work or after whatever, you know, you, you know, I don't know. I've just made it where I have to do at least 15 minutes every day and I have at least one writing sprint and I have found that, you know, that's usually when I get about 500 words and. Man, that's so good. 15 minutes, 15 minutes of work. Yeah. Uh, that is. It's taken me, it's taken me so long. 
it's just, it's just going back to self-discipline. It's like the last year I'm like, if I, if I don't do it that day and that minute, it's like, and just don't flow. I, I literally get rid of all distractions. That's what I was saying to my wife. I was like, if you can just give me like an hour a day, you know, where I was like, I'll do everything else the rest of the time. But I was like, just give me an hour in a day. I was like, I'll just put my music on. I'm so used to it now, you know, just, just crunching. But I feel like it's so hard when I was focused on self-discipline of writing. And I was like, okay, I have to get this book done. Well, when I got burned out on it, it was like, I felt like I had to, you know, then I wasn't getting it done. And I, I was trying to self-discipline. And that's where my friend was like, you know, Mark Timmy was like, well, you should just take a break if it's not working, you know? And he's like, you got plenty of other things. So I felt like some people think self-disciplining is, you know, just staying on this project if it's not working because I have to finish, but it's like, no, I'm an indie author. You know, I can actually, you know, go and do that. Mm. So I went to, cause I was still writing and I was writing every day. I was writing a lot. Cause then I went into this, you know, you know, historical urban fantasy with these Romans versus zombies. And I was just busting out the words. And then, you know, then that's what helped me fix my urban fantasy stuff with the recon yeah. marine monster hunter. And then it was like, you know, and I, I'm just can only imagine when I'm done, you know, with those where then I feel like I'll won't be burnt out. I'll have products done and then I can go back. So I just think it's interesting because I was listening to a talk with another author on their podcast and they were like, well, self-discipline, you know, I think is a little bit different. It doesn't mean I have to get this thing done unless, you know, you're, you have a deadline or traditionally published for it. But, you know, I think it's just for me at this point, I haven't published anything yet officially. So it's like kind of nice, you know, cause I, my self-discipline looks a little bit different. So I just think it, you know, it does depend. I feel like on your, where you at with your career or your interests, but yeah, that burnout, man, it's just self-discipline and burnout worry me, you know, the mm. most. And, you know, particularly not being a full-time author, you know, I just think that, you know, and then what happens if when you do become a full-time author and you haven't worked on your self-discipline or your burnout, I think that yeah. those are, I just think they're two hand-in-hand skills personally. Those, those people who are full-time authors, I take my hat off to them because they got to work to um, timelines and that would be yeah, yeah. so stressful. Yeah. You have, to, you have to get this book done and finished by this time. Yep. Um, or you lose your job, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's pretty full on. Yeah, yeah. It's it's right on the money, I feel like, that you said right there. I mean, it's just, it, it is stressful, you know, and I, I talk, that's why I talk to my buddy about all the time. I'm like, well, you know, that's why we got, I feel like we got a pretty good rapid release schedule, you know, and my buddy's like, well, if we're not ready for you to rapid release, we just don't release, you know, we just, you know, we're released. That's why I like the novellas because we could rapid release the novellas and that's, you know, nine months right there. Well, you're talking, you know, a year and a half basically. Um, and I'll definitely have, you know, Romans versus zombies done. I pretty much have all the outlining and stuff done. And <laughs> it's a lot more exciting to cool. do than, you know, than anything else. Oh, hell yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, but that's self-discipline. It, it definitely worries me. So I definitely think that that's a good one. I think a lot of people, you know, can definitely relate to that one there. But I think once you hit your routine and you get into that routine, it just becomes um, muscle memory. You just do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, as soon as I start that time, that's funny you said that. As soon as I start that timer now, I mean, that first one, I mean, even if I just do a couple, like you said, you know, just get something down, uh, yeah, I've definitely noticed that it flows a lot more. And then, you know, once I get the first 15 done, I'm like, okay, I got to do another one. You're into it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. 
and the, the time is I'm a competitive person. So I like to beat myself. So I'm like, okay, I want to do more writing sprints than yesterday. And I haven't even counted words lately. Cause I'm just trying to get, I'm like, well, if I just put the minutes in, I know the words are going to come, you know, I'm and the words stop counting words. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to stop counting words after what you said. That, I, then I recommend friend. it, man. I, I, mm. I'm so glad that, you know, they both said that. I mean, you know, and to have two people say it in a different way, you know, that really made sense. I felt like was a really good one, but yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it doesn't work, you know, try it, you know, go back to work count, but I was yeah, feeling yeah. so swamped by it. And I actually, I'll be honest with you, Keith, like I was keeping such good track of my work count every day, but then I noticed that I was focusing more <clears throat> on the Excel spreadsheet and the word count rather than the words I was putting on the page. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the quality's gone up a lot because I'm worried about what I'm writing. I don't even know how many words I have in my novel now, my novella. Like, I was at, like, around 13,000, and I, I might be around 25 now. And, I mean, if this last bit, since I stopped word counting, has just gone so much quicker. And I definitely know I'll have to go back and fix the beginning stuff because this stuff has just been so much better. But, mm, yeah, I definitely... Give it a go, man. Yeah, sure. I highly recommend it. I mean, it definitely yeah. worked for me, but... And I think that's for the audience too, you know, like if something, you know, isn't working for you, try something else, you know, cause you never know when you're going to find like your thing and, you know, and, and better your routine. And, you know, if you're not being productive with it, I don't think it's, you know, it's the best thing for you, or at least not at that time, you know, like it might not be good for me later, you know, maybe I'll need the word count or something like that to get through a particular project or, you know, or mm. something, but yeah, I'm all for mixing it up, but yeah, yeah sure, man. You got, I, you I have flexibility. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, what is one character, sorry, who is one character that you have written who you wish you could go on an adventure with and why? Uh, it'll be Rafe. Rafe oh, is cool. a, he's a character in the Einstein saga. He is um, a berserker, Highland berserker. Oh, that's awesome. And he is effing crazy. <laughs> 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 absolutely friggin' crazy so there'd never be a dull moment and if there's any if anything's going on that's abnormal or um or there'd be a fight or the life of the party or if anything's happening that's abnormal he'd be in the middle of it 100 <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. yeah so i'd go on an adventure with rafe sure that's awesome i won't say my buddy's name on here but one of my friends it said, yeah, that's like our buddy. <laughs> and he was explaining to me. So I'll have to say that that's the um, person you said. But um, the character said, that's really funny. Um, yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's just like him. And then we went on a trip recently. And he was, it sounded very similar. So, yeah, I got him in real life if you ever want to meet him. So. <laughs> oh, cool. That's right. That's awesome. Uh, that's really cool. Well, that's awesome. Uh, I think about that a lot, though, you know, because Robert E. Howard, like, um, was said to like write Conan, but his friend had said that he'd be like off because he used to write on his patio, like his porch, and his friend would sit there and you know come over have a beer or something, and all of a sudden you know he would be sitting there at his writing desk be like I need a minute, and then he'd be looking off and he would start writing, and he said that it was almost like Conan had come to visit instead of him, and he was talking you know, like telling. Robert E. Howard a story while he was sitting there and sometimes he would just like you know have his beer or whatever that's while he was writing yeah it was really cool so that's where I got that idea from I'm like oh that would be really cool you know like yeah 
That's awesome. It actually reminds me of a story um, Stephen King told. So Stephen King many years ago was hit by a car. He was in a really bad accident, very badly injured. Um, and the guy who hit him stopped. And like Stephen King's in a ditch screaming in agony. And this guy gets out of his um, van, pulls his esky out, walks slowly over to where Stephen King is, sits on his esky and gets the phone out and rings an ambulance. And he turns to King and goes, you'll be right, mate. You're, the ambulance on the way. You'll be fine. And Stephen King <laughs> thinks he's dying. He looks up at this, this guy and he, he realizes, holy shit, this is one of these, a character out of one of my books. This guy's a freaking psycho. Oh. And I've met one of my own characters, you know. <laughs> he had, like, he'd hit him, almost killed him, and then had no emotion as to what had happened. Wow. Didn't look, didn't look after King, didn't render first aid, just sat on his esky. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nuts. All right, well, we definitely want to meet yours instead. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Uh, so the next one's going to be, what is, I'm really interested in this answer because this has been one that I added recently, and I'm so glad it was a suggestion by an author friend of mine. I've had very just interesting answers. Like, everybody's been very unique and different. What is one writing tool or strategy you would like to try in the future? It could be like anything, really. Um, I, I'd like to try my hand at first person, writing, mm. writing a character in the first person. Mm, interesting. Um, just, just to say I've done it. Um, yeah, yeah. I have to say that I'm not sure when I try that. I'm not sure I'd be any good at it either, to be honest. I know that um, feeling. <laughs> I, know, I know that... Um, the books that I've read that are out in first person take me about a chapter to get into because it just jolts my brain. Yeah. And then, yeah. I'm, then I'm away. I'm, I'm right. Um, and David Gemmell, back to Gemmell again because he's, I just love him, mate. He's such a good act, such a good uh, writer. Um, he has written a couple of books in the first person and it always took oh, me about a chapter that. to get into it. Okay. Uh, not, not many, but a couple. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And by the time you get, you, your brain has got past the first person idea you're fine. It's just like any other story, but it's somehow more personalized. You're somehow more immersed in the story somehow, if you know what I mean. No, yeah, totally. Like the like the Dresden Files, I feel like is a big one for me and Iron Druid Chronicles and Mercy Thompson. I think that's why I like them. I, I'm writing urban fantasy, um, not my historical urban fantasy, but my urban fantasy in first person. Um, I just feel like the, the books that I've enjoyed the most in that genre have been first person and it's because of that yeah i feel like i get a better connection with the character yeah 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 Yeah, it's interesting i don't read them that often though yeah it's it's literally only urban fantasy that i like like if it's um you know i don't know i guess i do read some fantasy first person it's not my preferred but urban fantasy it is for some reason science fiction no i I don't like it in science fiction. No. I, I have no idea why, but yeah, it's just like an urban fantasy thing for me. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. I'll give that a crack, I reckon. Yeah. I don't know when I will, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I, I recommend it, though. You know, it definitely made me think more of, you know, writing in third person. Like, oh, am I, you know, am I conveying this to the audience in a different way? Am I just mm. assuming that they're understanding these things, you know, like, um, you know, my showing, you know, 
rather than telling, you know, things like that. I felt like it mm-hmm. definitely, when I flipped back, I definitely learned a lot from the experience. So I definitely felt like it made my third person a lot better. Um, More powerful. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. It's a very interesting uh, writing exercise. But uh, So who is, <laughs> well, I guess you know this, right? Um, who is one author? <laughs> you already know him. I want him to sign, man. <laughs> well, I want to know like how, like what you would want to like give them. But uh, so, who is one author you would like to ask for writing advice? If you could choose anyone from any time period, and now I want to know what type of writing advice would you ask David Gimmel? Like, what would be the one thing that you're like, I need to know this. Like, you only had like 15 minutes, all right? And what would you ask, or what would you want well, help on? Well, yes, David Gamble. Uh, <laughs> I want help on um, how do you write such complex, powerful uh, mm. worlds and characters in such a yeah, short not novel? very big. Yeah. Those novels are only about 300, 350 pages. Yep, and they're yep. so powerful and so complex. And um, yeah, it's, I'd ask him that and just I'd listen to what he had to say. Um, he had such an incredible impact on me. I, I first read Wylander when I was 12 years old mm. um, and then I read all his books through, all through my formative years to a teenager and a young man and I, I think that had uh, impact on me growing up. Hey? Mm. Um, and in, when he died in 2006, I was in an area of the world that had no internet, no telephones, no connection mm. to the outside world and when I came home to Australia, um, I was waiting for his next book to drop and then oh. yeah, he died in July, I think. And then I came home in at the end of August, 2006 and I was freaking devastated, mate. I was gutted. Yeah. Yeah. He was such a brilliant writer and Stella, I think his last book was full of Kings and Stella wrote the last part of it. And you can't tell where he stopped and she took over. She did such a brilliant job. Yeah. Um, she found him slumped over his laptop in the morning. Um, she was bringing his coffee into him, uh, and she she thought he was just sleeping, but yeah, he was dead, unfortunately. Yeah, very sad. Yeah, I'd ask him that. Yeah, oh, that's that's a really good one. Um, oh man, I, I I know that feeling, and I'm totally blanking. I, I feel so bad. There was an author that I was reading when I was a kid. That same thing, and it was like I remember my mom, like, because we didn't have the internet at the time, you know, and I must have been like middle school. I can't remember. I have to ask. I can't remember what it was now. Probably blocked it out. It was too bad of a memory. But yeah, I just remember like, oh, this is the last book that I will ever get of this person, you know. And this is the last time that you know this character. Yeah. And I remember when Robert Jordan passed away too. Like I wasn't into the books at that time, but it was still such a big deal for me because one of my best friends was, and you know, just yeah, it, it happened relatively. The two authors died at the same time, and yeah, it was it was very hard. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, and that's it's like a friend, you know. Exactly, exactly, man. Well, it's yeah. it's almost like um, with Gamble, it was more, and probably Sean Crow's probably similar, but it was more um, of a personal connection because it was mm. a friend. But because I'd read him at such a young age and through my formative years, it was almost like another mentor in addition yeah. to my father. Yeah. Well, when Obi Wan Kenobi, sorry if anybody hasn't seen you know, a new hope, but it's been out for decades. Uh, you know, when <laughs> I remember I was feeling so bad. I can't remember the author that I used to read, but um just so many now I guess it's hard to remember, you know. But um I remember then that was such a a time where I was so into Star Wars where 
later on that weekend, my buddy, it must have happened on like a Wednesday or Thursday, because I remember this specifically, then we had a half a day on Thursday, so I go to my buddies, and then by Friday, we were watching A New Hope again, and that was always our routine, New Hope on Friday, Saturday, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Sunday morning, and I remember once Obi-Wan, you know, surrenders to Darth Vader and becomes, you know, one with the Force, that weekend in particular, it just it hit me. And I so I totally get what you mean. I just I was like, I just couldn't handle it. I had seen a hundred, you know, a thousand times at that point, but that was the minute where it just hit me because I think that's why, because I felt I was like, Oh, my you know, my mentor's gone, you know, and yeah. Not just the yeah. characters, but yeah, like, yeah. It's weird. It sounds it sounds it sounds weird when you say it, but that's how it feels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like um R. A. Salvatore built some characters for me that I found in, you know, middle school, same time. And then when I became, I think I read one of the books like four years ago, you know, <laughs> so I give you a five, it was four years ago. And he asked recently, what were some books that made you cry? And I was like, Ghost King and Godhedrum. <laughs> he responded and he goes, really Dan, back to back. I said, you know exactly what I'm talking about, Bob. And he just laughed. And I was like, yeah. And I, I just, it was the same thing. I feel like, you know, where I was just like, you know, oh my gosh. My friend was like, oh, rumors are he's going to kill Dritz at some point. And I was like, I hope to God not, because I would be so devastated because I feel like I was in such a, you know, spot in my formative years where he, you know, not just, you know, Bob's writing, but that character really, you know, helped me decide who I wanted to be in difficult situations, you know, and with that character, you know, if he killed that character, I would, I would just be so devastated. <laughs> like, I would literally feel like a family member, you know, had passed away at that point, particularly yeah. when a couple of the other characters, I mean, my mom was like, are you okay? I read it on one, I think of the Ghost King on Christmas break when I was home from teaching um, after meeting my wife. And I was like, no, I'm really bad. I was like, I just need to, I was like, I just need to be left alone for a little bit, you know? And yeah, it was, oh, it was yeah. really bad. Yeah. I, I raged a little bit when um, Ned Stark was killed. Eh? Oh, what the? <laughs> I remember when I was that guy, I used to watch that for guys night. And um, yeah, my friend was like, oh, I was ready for it. Cause I read the books. I was like, it's my best friend. I was like, you're my best friend. I was like, you didn't warn me at all. It's like, good. He's like, it's Sean Bean. He dies in everything. And I was yeah, like, right. I was like, but National Treasure, you know, I was like, I couldn't have believe you, it. Have you seen that um, little video that Sean Bean does? It's like, goes for like five minutes. Have you seen that one where they, I have. they say, you're not going to die in this, Sean. Yeah. And he, he still makes himself die. <laughs> My, I, I absolutely loved his character. I just thought like he was, so he, he inspired me so much in, you know, his portrayal portrayal in lord of the rings i Boy, i wrote yeah. i wrote several characters yep. you know uh, about that and overcoming corruption and things like that and you know just the yeah i don't know just his look yep. too like yeah yeah he just that's I the, he the way i imagine boromir as well yeah i think that was really what it was is for me it just totally that's how i picture him in my head you know i was you uh, sorry to interrupt john no go ahead go ahead um the braces that, that Boromir were wear, was wearing when he died, yep. Aragorn, Aragorn took them. And yeah. in the movies, at the end of the third movie, he's still wearing them. Yep. 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love those movies. I so I'm hoping that with Rings of Power, I'm hoping I can get if he's listening, my best friend to watch it because he's not looking to Lord of the Rings. And I I think it's because, you know, the first movie took so long to get going and I'm really trying to get him into the show so that I can get him into it because I just like prime one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know people are like, Oh, blah blah blah, but I just I want watch to it, I want to be in that world so bad. Like yes. and there's the 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 middle earth games like the the one ring work oh um you know like the the D style it's like 5e or whatever uh but they did them as kickstarters and i want to get them so bad um i used to play you know a lot of the you know the video games i think i played almost all the video games except for the two newer ones especially back in the day when they're console and stuff and those are some of my my favorite times was you know watching those movies with my friends or you know playing the games yeah. you know and i just love the world that he built you know and yeah yeah i'm Amazing. like so my wife she goes oh did you hear about this lord of the rings tv show i said honey so that's the only reason we had we have amazon prime i was like i didn't buy it for real time no offense i was like i bought it for reacher and for you know for um yeah for, <laughs> yeah yeah and After the boys i switched yeah. to amazon to watch uh, lord of the rings Yep, yep. And I'll probably unsubscribe once I've watched that. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that. Well, then my buddy's like, well, you can't. He goes, because then Reacher 2. I said, but well, then I heard that they're doing a lot. Well, I heard that they're doing a longer stint in between. So I think we got like another, because it's already been at like almost like three months or whatever. So I heard we have like another year and three months or something like that. Because um, I know they're like shooting now, but I guess they had some sort of, I heard they had a delay. Um, that's what I, I read an article recently. Oh, so. right, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, oh, that's there's a, fine. But. There's a few. I'm, that's one of them I'm waiting for, and I'm waiting for um, The Witcher Season 3. Yep. It's going to be awesome. Oh, you know, I'm so surprised. I'm, it's funny that you brought that up. I was just talking about this with my buddy earlier. I was just so surprised, like, what some people – I don't know, maybe it's because, like, my wife and I were trying to have a child this year, you know, for most of the year, and I don't know. I guess I just got really emotional because, you know, he's – you know, I coach girls, so like exclusively, I just I've coached boys for a long time, and girls are just easier to to manage at the high school level. <laughs> and yeah. um, I've just had great relationships with them, you know, and taught them a lot of great stuff. They've taught me a lot of great stuff. Um, and yeah, it just it hit me so hard. I think you know because we wanted a baby so bad, and it was taking a while. And yeah, when that came out, I was just like, I connected so much more with Geralt this time than the first season and there were just so many more mm. you know scenes i was just like like i got it you know i was like yep like i would i'm like i would do that for any of my you know my children now you know let alone my own kids so i like totally understood that and i think as a teacher too like you know like i don't know i just i felt more connected with this character this season and it was interesting i felt like the other people weren't and as a writer i was like I think I like that because I like people that protect children. I like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show burn notice. Um, it's a really good one. Oh, it's, it's, I highly recommend it. It's on, it was on Hulu. It was on Netflix and it switched to Hulu. Um, the main character is a spy and it's kind of like a spy thriller TV show, but it's, it's, it's written so well, but the main character, he just, I don't know how to explain it. Like he was, he was mistreated by his father his father was like alcoholic and um physically abused him and stuff and his mom and like he as an adult becomes a spy and but he wants to overcome that trauma by helping other people 
and kids in particular. And there's so many times throughout the show where they just wrote it so brilliantly where, you know, a kid, you know, is messed with and he just demolishes everybody. And I'm like, I connected with that so much and I, I loved it. And then, you know, I love that show. And then when they did that with season two, my friend's like, well, it's because you like the main character from Burn Notice, Michael Weston so much. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, that's totally true. You know, and he was like, if you were a girl and you had his powers, he was like, I could totally see you doing that, you know, to rescue a kid or whatever. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, yeah, I was like that. I was like, that's, that's what I would love to do, you know? So I felt like they did a really good job there, but yeah, it was like definitely that. made for me. Yeah, it was. It's a great story. And they're yeah. awesome characters. I kind of like the way, kind of like the way Geralt just walks into a room and goes, mm. F word, and then walks <laughs> out. <laughs> just so cool. I tell you, man, Henry Cavill was the best pick. Like, yeah, yeah, I think, absolutely. I think, I literally think Heath Ledger was the best pick for the Joker, and I didn't even like oh, him at first when I heard it. But he yeah. was so amazing, and I think Henry he Cavill and Geralt is. I think that that's like for me tied at the two best castings. You know, within the last ten, you know, whatever, however many years is this Dark Knight? I mean, yeah, I was saying to my buddy the other day, I was like, I think Henry Cavill was the best casting after Heath Ledger. I mean. Like by far, yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah, you talk yeah. about that TV show all day. Yeah, yeah, I love it, man. <laughs> I love the books too. I'm like so excited. I waited on. I started to read this the second book, um, you know, and then my friend he was like, "Wait!" He's like, "I just read, you know, uh, the first one." I was like, "So can we book club them?" So we're like, "I'm like waiting," but I told him I was like, "I can't wait much longer <laughs> because, uh, yeah, that TV, the second season of the show really got me back into it, but." I really would like to read the graphic novels too. I I keep forgetting um, to go David back. David Campbell's got a couple of graphic novels too, by the way. Oh, you should have told me that because now I'm gonna have to go get this. Yeah, I need I need two of them. I need two of them. We've oh, done the whole cool. lot, but no. I need yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I love graphic novels. That was my original medium, so it's like definitely my thing. But oh, that's really cool. Actually, I'm gonna. Have to... Yeah, they're awesome. Like he did John Snow when he did Legend. Legends, a graphic novel, and then um, Wolf in Shadow, I think. Oh, that's really the cool. The one. That's actually one oh. of the endings that choked me up when you were talking about Books oh, that yeah. made cry, um, when John Snow died. Right oh, wow. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. That's awesome. Well, for that last one, do you have any promos, news, updates, or current projects that you're currently working on? I do. You're going to laugh at this. Uh, <laughs> I'm currently in the planning phase uh, of a new story from the point uh, of patient zero in a zombie outbreak. Oh, that's cool. As experienced from the viewpoint of Australian paramedics. Um, that is know, cool. Yeah. Uh, zombie outbreaks results. I want to make it fairly realistic. So the zombie outbreaks result of something that exists. I don't want to go into too much detail, but something mm. that exists in the world today. Mm. Um that has never crossed across and infected um, human beings. Mm. But I suppose that there might be a possibility. But, uh, yeah, it's something that, that could happen. happen. Oh, very very unlikely, but, yeah. Oh, that's really it's cool. It's a slim, slim possibility. Um, I don't know if you know, but I work as a, a paramedic over here in Australia, so I wanted to they, they say write what you know. So Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know much about zombies, but I know about paramedics and uh, how we operate. So it'd be interesting to see it from our point of view. Yeah, yeah. 
from the very, very start of the outbreak and, and then how it progresses from there and how we try and deal with it, how mm. they try and deal with it. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Well, that sounds very interesting. It's really neat. Uh, yeah, now, yeah. I didn't know that about you, so now I'm going to have to pick your brain because I really have, I have this fantasy paramedic that I've wanted to write for a while. And I just thought it'd be so cool. <laughs> like have it be like a, a healer and like a field medic and go through a Point story. Yeah. Okay, cool. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm telling you, Keith, I love the mashups. Like I want to take something real with somebody like you who knows it and then put it in like a fantasy world and then see kind of how it goes. I've seen quite a few people do that recently. And that's just like what I've been, you know, really interested in reading in the last couple of months. But yeah. And I was like, Oh, that just sounds like, really cool to write but yeah well that's another one too like you know zombie you know apocalypse and paramedic like i i want i have to know now as a writer how that works for you you know and how how the story yeah like that's (laughs) that's a really cool idea like yeah that's that's really cool anybody can write a soldier you know shooting the zombies like i i want something different i want something unique and the yeah. more I write, the more, yeah, I want I want to read something like that. I think so, yeah. other people do too, especially yeah. in the zombie genre as well, where um, it's just been, in, in some ways, it's been done to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always a virus. Um, yep. There's always a couple of survivors. Yep. You know, no, no offense to anyone. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say. But, yeah, I think unique, being unique is a good thing. Well, and, well a, a fresh a fresh look at it is a good yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, but I think at any point, you know, you have – you know, it's like, um, so my friend C.S. Uh, Ratliff, he has his Harry Potter like Academy book, um, Lucas Hale coming out. And I backed him on Kickstarter. It sounds really good. He's like, only the first section is like Harry Potter's, everything else is my own. And, you know, he was like, well, I wanted to do this years ago, but. Yeah, I, I just think that that just sounds like a really cool idea. I think that, you know, in terms of like a writer, it just sounds like a really cool story, just mixing zombies. And it's cool that you get your, you know, your actual experience in there too. I think that that's like, yeah, I think that's a really good idea. I want to do one of the first scenes I want to do is doing a like a cardiac arrest on a patient. Um, and then they work on her for um, a period of time. She's not responding to their treatment. So they call it what we what we call calling it, um, and she's deceased. We have to let the family know. Look, we've tried everything. We've tried everything that would have happened in um, in hospital. Your your mum hasn't responded, and we're very sorry. Yeah. And then the mum gets up <laughs> and starts trying to attack them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I'm gonna have a lot oh, of fun cool. with it. It's gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of situations that you could have like a lot of fun with like that, you know, and, you know, kind of, you know, like we said, you know, not, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, just, just to add a different twist, you know, like yeah, yeah. kind of, yeah. yeah. Make it a little bit more updated, you know, in terms of, you know, like you're, you know, cause you have that experience. So I think that that, yeah, I think that just sounds much more interesting than another Brad Pitt S character coming in and, you know, shooting all the zombies you know like that wasn't that was a cool movie though it really was it really was 
It really was. Well, I just think it's interesting with that, yeah. I have to say, I did really enjoy The Walking Dead. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Up up to a point. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it was so well done. Yeah. Yeah, those graphic novels too, I feel like, I mean, I always liked the graphic novels more than the TV show, I think, again, because that was the medium I started with. But, Mm -hmm. you know, for for a lot of, like, Invincible, you know, like, I, I, I enjoyed the episodes I've seen so far, but there was nothing like, it was nothing like discovering that graphic novel for the first time. And when it first came out and being like one of the first people to be like, Oh, this was really cool. You know, this is really unique. And I was just talking to my buddy about it because we saw a bunch recently. I couldn't believe how many they have now, you know, and I told him, I was like, I have the first one that, you know, oh, wow. that they published and it's, you know, it's crazy to be where I, I told a buddy of mine, I read it in, Oh my gosh, maybe 30 minutes, you know, like the whole thing. And, um, I reread it. <laughs> I reread it, and I like handed it to him. I was like, "Here, you can borrow this, but I want it back." He's like, "Why?" Because we usually, you know, share them and stuff back in the day. And I was like, "Cause this can be worth some money." And I was like, "This is gonna be a big thing." And then after five years went by, and he's like, "Yeah, right." And <laughs> like now, you know, I think it's probably like I don't know, fourteen years or something like that. So it's kind of interesting, you know, <laughs> to see things ship. But yeah, That's I was right cool, one of these days. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really cool. But yeah, I think it'd, it'd be awesome if they made. Um... David Gemmell's legend into a movie. That whole the whole book is just a massive siege. The yeah, whole movie would be, be a really siege, cool. just a battle. That'd be so cool. Well, I love the two towers because of that. You know, because it's basically just like a, a pretty big you yeah. know, siege, like the whole time. Yeah, I feel like you know Sean Crow and I were talking about it, and I was talking about it with like Mark Timoney and a couple other people. Um, you know, I, I definitely think that uh, yeah, David Gemmell, in particular, after watching the first couple episodes of the Sandman on Netflix and, you know, seeing the new Dungeons and Dragons trailer in particular, I, I just think that like they, they would do such a good job. I think Netflix with a TV show, you know, if they had the people who, you know, like you and Sean, who were so into it, you know, if you had the right people, I think it'd be, I think it'd be so cool, you know, like- to do some of the books that way that's what I liked about Peter Jackson is he respected the books yeah. so much that he just, um, you know, cause you know how some people, some of those producers and directors and, and writers deviate so much from the books for whatever yeah. reason. I don't know why. It's not even the same product anymore. No, yeah. no. But they did such a good job with Lord of the Rings. It was, um, there's a few things were left out. Tom Bombadil didn't make an appearance and he's yeah. such a powerful character, but yeah, there's only so much they can put in and um, yeah. they did a good job. I reckon. Hey, well, the, you know, it's like Batman Begins, you know, like they had changed things, but you know, I, I think this is early on. I learned as a, as an audience member, like if you changed it and you did it well enough, I enjoyed it, you know, and if you changed it for a particular reason to help my enjoyment, I enjoyed it more. And that's like, I used to watch this TV show Smallville, you know, I love that. And there's so many things that they changed, but I thought they did a really good job there with a lot of the writing and. You know, I just think that, you know, if you do a good job with it, you know, like I, you know, read the first two books for Lord of the Rings and, you know, I, I mean, I enjoyed the Hobbit movies. Hobbit's my favorite book. So I wish, you know, it had been, you know, like Legolas isn't there and stuff, you know, and, but I, you know, I, I was like, I just separated them after that. I was like, okay, it's cool movies and, you know, it's a good book. That's like, a good I enjoyed point. them, but yeah. That's yeah. A good point, actually. But I think I had to, the movie. Yeah. yeah, I think I had to learn that skill over time. Um, yeah. yeah. But, you know, cause I mean, I don't know. That's why I, I love books more than movies and, you know, things like that or graphic novels even. Cause I think you, 
you could just do more. You know, like you said, you know, David Gemmel does so much, you know, with that that little book, you know, versus yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. there's a lot of those fantasy books out there that 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 authors are writing, they're like this freaking thick. They're like Lord of the Rings. Yep. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And but David Gemmel's got it just seems to have just as much kick as those books in, in mm. just such a so much smaller space. Well, it's, it's it is really interesting for me, and this is why I would I told Sean because we had just had our other interview for his Godless Lands too um, recently uh, a few weeks ago. I was like, he's like, have you got it yet? I'm like, no, because I'm like I'm really trying to save certain books. Like I said, you know, I I, I want the time to be able to enjoy them, but I also want to be able to use them. I've been using a lot of those kind of things and those experiences, um, you know, as like a really good writing experience. And I, I really, I know if I start with them now, I'm going to be too busy. I'm going to cheapen that. Um, you're going to get hooked, man. <laughs> yeah. And I want to be hooked and I want to be hooked to the point where I, I just fly and I've been waiting for, you know, another author to do that. And, Particularly, you know, when I hear you guys talk and like Anthony Ryan talk about David Gebel, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I know he's going to be the one. And mm. I'm it's glad really that cool, I man. waited now in terms of my writing schedule, because I feel like I'm going to need that reading push to help me finish up with the writing, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. But I would, I would love from, you know, oh, like the, what is it? The, oh, the one I just found was a paperback. And I lent, I gave it to my buddy. I had the hardcover of, oh, what is it? The, book? Yeah, The Sword of Night and Day. Oh, yeah. Swords of Night and Day. Yeah, okay. so that one, like, the first time I saw that cover, I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, this is going to be, like, this could be my book. <laughs> like, and I, you know, I could just, like, feel it from across the bookstore. You know, we, like, saw each other, looked deep into each other's eyes, and I ran up to it. It, it didn't run up to me, so that was kind of disappointing, you know. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I, I think I have, uh, yeah, that legend, I grabbed quite a few of them because there was, um, a really good sale that came recently actually in right before Memorial Day weekend here. And they always have the David Gemmel books. I mean, people are just like constantly sharing them here, like left and right. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting, but, uh, yeah, I bought, I think another four recently. So I have to go back and, and take a look, but yeah, if I saw his name, after I talked with Sean and Mark and some people, um, I was like, yeah, I've never heard one author's name mentioned more in the indie community than David Gemmel. So I literally just, I snatched like, you know, whatever I could. So I had the other ones already I knew on the shelf, but yeah, I grabbed another four recently. I can see the one in my head. I can't believe I can't remember what the title was. Um, What's yeah. the cover? What does it look like? Oh, it was, it kind of looks like the guy from Legend. I want to say the Ghost King, but that's, that's Ari Salvatore. It's not. Ghost King's legend, uh, Gimbal as well. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was that one. So I grabbed yeah. that one. And I forget what the, the other ones I thought were his ones with like the, like, um, the guy with, uh, he kind of like a, like a Western, it was like a Western urban fantasy. John Chenot, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I grabbed, how many are there? I think I grabbed two. So you got two or three. Yeah, two or, two or three oh, of those. Oh, that actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's, there's I didn't Blood know that. Stone, there's Wolf and Shadow. Yeah, I grabbed Wolf and Shadow. That one looked really good. Yeah, there's, there's a few of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Top of my head. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, Sean was like, well, you got to read that one. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's fair. So yeah, I grabbed a few of those. But yeah, I'm actually, um, so I'll, I'll send it to you when I get it done. I'm actually, this yeah, is for the audience. I, I'm actually, um, 
like I'm actually spending the fall reading David Gemmel and it's going to be part of my blog series. Uh, fantastic. Right? Yeah. yeah cool. So I, that's why I've been saving them. So I was like, well, I need enough time to read and blog uh, and use it as part of like, you know, a writing exercise. But yeah, so I'll definitely send them to you when I get them up. Uh, it's going to be yeah, like the first takes and, yeah, and things like that. And then I'll do them. Um, I'm going to do like beginning uh, beforehand uh, and then like halfway through and, and then, yeah, kind of go from there. And then I'll do an end experience. Uh, once I get through, you know, like each like series of books and stuff like that. But yeah, I think it'll be cool. Sweet, All right. Man, well, looking forward to that. Is, thanks for, yeah, thanks for having I, me on, Dan. I've had a great time. Way. I know it's a little yeah, late. Way. So yeah, I, uh, I always love when I can get somebody on and we can chit chat this much, particularly about David Gemmel. So I am really excited about him, but I'm really excited for your book though. That sounds like a really cool story idea. I'm really, I'm always thinking, trying to think of things like that, you know, and try to pick up books like that and, we we're just talking, I was talking with another author the other day where I said, sometimes it's hard to, you know, or, you know, to find those kind of books, you know, that you want to read like that, you know, because I think sometimes, you know, you just think, you know, it's hard to find those. And I think that's why podcasts are important in particular, you know, because mm. people can come on and hear that that's the type of book that you're trying to write. And, you know, maybe some people in the zombie, you know, genre or post-apocalyptic, you know, those kind of things are, you know, like you said, you know, like we talked about, like maybe they're, a little bit tired of the tropes or want something maybe I'm not tired of tropes but maybe want something new or a fresh take yeah or idea I know I do with fantasy and sci-fi you know fantasy quite a bit so yeah Yeah. you're right when you say you you just get a bit burnt out hey yeah yeah. writing and reading in the same time for so long yeah yeah. I'm definitely suffering through burnout right now for reading and I it has nothing to do with the amazing authors that I've read. I just got oh, done no, with not at all. No, I just no. got done with H.M. Long's Hall of Smoke and Hannah just does an amazing job of painting this world. And you know, I did not do her I did not do her book justice like at all. Um, you know, as a reader, but it did for me and it got me so hyped to read more um fantasy like that. But then I started to be like, okay, well what else is like this, you know? And that really got me into thinking, you know, like how how am I as, you know, an author, uh, you know, portraying my books, you know, and, you know, am I advertising them correctly? You know, am I talking about them in a way that gets people interested? Because, uh, you know, I, I don't know who else has, you know, books like yours. It sounds like, you know, your fantasy series is very similar. So I'm really excited, uh, you know, to go there. So oh, thanks, it's, man. it's a good start. I hope, you, um, hope you enjoy it when you get, when you get to Oh, it. yeah, yeah. I got, I have her review and I got some other ones. No, like nobody asked me. I'm just like, I'm just doing them just for like free advertising and stuff for people. Uh, but yeah, so as soon as I get anything, you know, I'm hoping it'll be a lot different after I finish this rough draft. Um, you know, this last scene up, it's just been like eating at me. I, I know I'll definitely need a little bit of a break, but yeah, I'll start to pick up a little bit more uh, in the fall, particularly after David Gemmel, I'm sure. And uh, Cool, um, man. I'll look forward to it. Eh? Yeah, it's awesome. All right, Keith. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Any other time you want to come, you know, by and, and chat. I love talking to you Aussies because my wife's been going to bed early and um, she's tired of me talking about writing with her. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no worries, man. I, I really enjoyed it. Hey. It was good. Yeah. And, yes, yeah, anytime, you know. Yeah, you want to come back, you know, you just let me know. And it's so easy for, like I said, for you to, you know, me to get you, you know, um, CM Quinn, Mark Timoney, Miles Hurt, anybody, because you guys, you know, 
just a different schedule, you know, on the weekends than other people. So anytime you want to chit chat or you're like, Oh, I got this really cool idea. I do have some panels coming up um, in the winter uh, before the baby comes. So November, December. So um, I will be sending out a list and you just tell me if you're interested in one of them and we'll get yeah, you on here. And, yeah. It'll be yeah. really cool. So Sounds awesome. good, all right, cool. Well, Keith, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I hope everything goes smoothly with the baby. And uh, yeah. oh, yeah, I hope you're still, you know, getting your time in and you know, enjoying it. So yeah, I'm loving Very, it. It's so good. It's, yeah, I'm jealous. I'm ready to get to that spot. So <laughs> Very like it, jealous. It, I won't lie, it is challenging. And yeah, it, is, it is exhausting at times, but um, it's just wholesome. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's really awesome. I hope you guys, you know, get that time and you know, get as much as possible, you know? So that's awesome. Cool. Cool, man. Well, thank, thanks again, mate. I really appreciate it. Eh? Not a problem, Keith. Anytime. You guys have a good rest of your Sunday and I will talk to you later on social media, oh, my friend. Happy birthday for tomorrow. Oh, thank you so much, Keith. I really appreciate <laughs> happy it. Happy birthday for like half an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> thank you so much, Keith. I really appreciate it. Hold on, mate. Have a good weekend, eh? Hey? You too. Bye. Okay. See you, mate.